Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Chris here, I hope you're keeping well and staying safe. And we are back with an SWNT preview podcast, baby, because Scotland's going to World Cup qualifying action against Ukraine this Friday, and then they travel to Spain the following Tuesday in two crucial games as we try and plot a course to uh, Australia and New Zealand in 2023. I'm not doing this by myself. Why would I do it by myself when I can get the sunshine that is the light of my life? Campbell Fenlison, how are you doing, Campbell? I was great, and then you did that intro, and now I'm just thinking, why am I still speaking? But um, I all is good, and I'm looking forward to getting back to Hamden um, in just over 48 hours' time, so I'm looking forward to it, but please don't ever do an intro like that again. I cannot promise that. I cannot promise that. But yeah, uh, two big games coming up for the women's national team after 100% start to qualifying. Uh, before we talk a little bit about the games, and I've also looked in a bit of a, a special guest to help preview uh, preview the games as well. How are you feeling going into these two games, Campbell? Obviously, we've uh, made a perfect start to qualifying. Needed a, a bit, of, bit of late drama against Hungary to get that to get that perfect start over the line. But I mean, it's it's kind of gone to plan in terms of winning all the games we needed to win so far. It has. I mean, I'm confident for Friday because we're going to beat Ukraine. I'm not confident for Tuesday because we're going to lose to Spain. Um, we've got a strong squad. There's some players that have come in and out since the squad was announced, and it's almost now there's a different squad in it. Um, but no, there's there's players there that are disappointed to see leave. Some that you're going to excite to see come in, and I'm confident enough going out this game on Friday. And it's one that again you've got to win if you want to be in the near playoff spots because I think in Spain there's only going to be one winner of this group, but. For now, Scotland's focus has to be the Ukraine game um, at Hamden on Friday night. Hopefully, get another good crowd in for what will surely be a Baltic night in November. But it's a game I'm looking forward to against a side that has maybe over a slightly higher level than the sides we've played so far this this campaign. But one again that Scotland should feel confident of beating. Yeah, I think I think you need to go into this game with confidence. This is this is our rival for for second spot in the in the table. Um, we can we can dream about Spain in a little bit, but um, this is this is our rival in terms of getting that playoff spot. as a convoluted process for for qualifying for the World Cup uh, kicks into gear. And yeah, I think I think we've got to go into this game with confidence. We have got the results on the table. The mood still is very buoyant. It seems to be with the actually even after that. That defeat against Sweden at, at, at St Mirren Park um, in a pretty grim night all round. Not, not necessarily for football, but definitely weather-wise, uh, a very grim night. Um, so, yeah, I think you've got to go into it with positivity. Let's talk about the squad, because obviously we talked about it last week in terms of the call-ups, but there has been some some changes um, in the squad. Obviously, uh, a trio of Manchester United players have, have come out in Martha Thomas, Kirsty Hansen and Kirsty Smith. Uh, and then and have come Lana Cleland, Abby Harrison, who's made a, a return to the squad, uh, Lizzie Arnott and Amy Muir. Um, what's your thoughts on, first of all, the, the loss of those three players? I think all of them offer something in a game that if, if against Ukraine we were struggling, I think all three, in particular Kirsty Hansen and, and Martha Thomas, who I think I would have hoped would have started on, on Friday night, um, it's a bit of a blow to use lose, lose those players going into these two games. Yeah, the, the two attackers in particular, I mean, Kirsty Hansen's had a good start to her Scotland career in the game she's played. I think Martha Thomas is one that we keep touching on we'd like to have kind of be that sort of player to lead the line and a game against Ukraine would be the perfect time, it's sort of the perfect game you would think to do that. So disappointing that she's out because I think as we've touched on before, looking at that kind of Scotland team going forward, there's no one that is really the sort of player that will hold the ball up and kind of Keep, um, keep it there for some of the other players to come on to. So that's a bit of a worry. But um, Kirsty Smith, I think she's not really been fully fit. Man United has. She obviously only made her first start in the, in the Cup midweek. Um, it won't help, certainly, so you can understand why she's had to come out of the squad. 
I don't think she would have been starting anyway. I think we know who the two fullbacks are going to be, the two the two from Rangers, obviously. So it's not really too much to change there. Going forward, certainly a bit of a worry, but I think in Abby Harrison now, she's a player that we always mentioned about at Hibs, how they've still not replaced her from a few years ago. She's scoring goals um, down south, albeit now in the Championship with Bristol City, but she could maybe be that sort of player that if she was to start, could be the one to go and kind of help, help lead the line go forward there. Um, so I'd like to see her get a start. I don't think she will, but a player that certainly could come off the bench and, and one or both games and, and try and make a bit of a difference there. So I'm pleased to see her come in. Um, but yeah, disappointing to lose those two, like you've touched on them, and Martha Thomas and Kirsty Hanton. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be interesting to see where Kirsty Smith would have fitted in in the fullback spot because obviously she had she was the number one right back up until uh, Rachel McLaughlin came into the side and then Rachel's obviously had a pretty good run at it at a national team, but Kirsty's playing maybe week in, week at a higher level when she's fit. And I think that's a thing. She's not been fit at the moment. So I think Rachel absolutely is uh, well entitled to, to keep that keep that jersey at the moment. But yeah, I think losing Martha Thomas is, is a bit of a blow. She just because of what she brings to the table. And I think it, it's interesting that both Lana Cleland and Abby Harrison were called up when Martha Thomas stepped out. And I think that's, I may be reading too much into it, but I think that's a little bit of an indication of what Martha Thomas brings because I think Lana Cleland's got great technique. She can bring people in, hold ball up. I think Jane Ross can hold it up. I'm not worried about the holding it up. I think I'm maybe a little bit more the movement round about it. I think that's where Martha Thomas came in because as well as a hold up place, she had the movement and a bit of pace about her to kind of stretch the defence. And it's almost like by calling up Lana and Abby, they've kind of got both aspects of that, but you're only going to be able to get one at a time because Abby, who's had a, who's been having a really good season at Bristol City, she's uh, like six league goals, um, second top goal scorer in the championship so far this season. Um, she 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 brings that brings that to her game. So it's certainly two call-ups that are, are very interesting in that aspect. And I suppose Lizzie Arnott as well can maybe feel a little bit a bit surprised that she maybe hadn't made made the squad in the first instance. Similar with Lana, to be fair, both had particularly Lana's had a, an impact over the last couple of games, but it's given us a couple more options. But in terms of the squad in itself, though, it's still I know we talked about last week the fact that the squad still felt in pretty good health compared to what would have been in a few squads previous. I think it still has that has that vibe to it. It does. I mean, we touched on kind of previously the worry they had there that maybe once some of the players were kind of dropping out and retiring and things, it was it was going to be tough to to keep players coming through. But it is really a strong squad when you look at it. I think midfield is maybe the area where you kind of have that slight worry still. I mean, you look at the Hungary game where, where Caroline Weir was kind of, she was set up as that deep-lying player to kind of add that further forward player, sorry, to be the one to kind of go into um, a net ball and attack in areas, which had to keep coming deep to then bring it forward because we were just missing something, especially with Kim Little being out. So there's... I think it's still a very strong squad and we've been fine so far in the games that we've played that have been against sort of teams that we should be beating. But um, when you're coming up in games like this where, again, we're still a stronger side than Ukraine, but they're more they're more near our level than Hungary and the Faroes were. And, and even though it was Sweden reserves, they were a very, very strong side that still come out and comfortable beat us in, in Paisley. So I'm still confident enough with the squad that's there. Um but the worry is maybe just some wee areas where we could maybe be getting players that are a bit different. We've got a lot of players that are maybe a bit too similar. Um, but listen, I see if they can win the game. I would happily have anyone playing. So as long as Scotland can get the points, that's the main thing. But um, I think there's still questions that, that you could know, maybe look to answer for us and, and could unfortunately be the sort of team that will, will go and take advantage of them. But if Scotland can stay strong and perform to, to the level they have done, then I'm sure they'll be confident of, of getting points on Friday night. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the things I took from the Sweden game 
Um, obviously, that was the first friendly that Pedro Martinez also had to kind of play about with things a little bit. Was the impact Lucy Graham had being the player that sat back? And I know you talked to, touched on the fact that Caroline Weir kind of found herself drifting a little bit backwards, um, which maybe was not where we wanted for Scotland. I think so at the weekend when she broke the deadlock for Manchester City against Aston Villa, how good she can be in the box in terms of this composure and, and getting shots on goal. Um, so yeah, I think I think that was interesting to see. I think Christy Murray coming back, being back and available is a, an important one as well because she can kind of maybe play a little bit more reserved. Um, obviously, she naturally likes to get forward as well, but she has played in that slightly more reserved role for Scotland too. So it does 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 give some options um, in terms of Ukraine. We obviously played them a, a couple of years ago in the, the Pinotar Cup and um, beat them quite comfortably actually that that day. They've uh, They've played Spain already in qualifying. Uh, lost six 0 at home, um, and it's hard to kind of know what, what to expect from Ukraine. They, they are a team that seem to be seem to be in a similar kind of space to, to Scotland at the moment in terms of they are maybe a little bit further down their cycle, and it feels like they are now starting a new Luis Cortes, the former Barcelona Femenini coach, has come in as their new head coach last week. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact he can have in a, in a short space of time, but. This, this, I think when the draw was made, Campbell, this Ukraine game, both Ukraine games actually, were the two that I know I pinpointed in terms of these are the ones that will probably decide where we finish in this group. Yep, um, I think Ukraine will have been the same. Both teams all went in and went, right, we need to take maximum points home and away to, against Hungary and the Faroes. And when it comes to playing each other, they're going to be the important games. I mean, Ukraine is... It's, it's a long distance to travel in Scotland. I'm sure we'll feel that when we go there, but we've got to use the same thing to our advantage when they're going to come across to, to play at Hamden as well. So these are the games that are going to be the important ones. Like we say, Spain, Spain will top the group. There's, there's not going to be much doubt in that. So it's going to come down to these ones and, and whoever can hold their nerve and, and just make sure they've got that extra bit of quality or pick, pick the right pass or, or put the right kind of have the right finish at the right time. That's what's going to come down to kind of deciding who does what in these games. But um, it's it's certainly a big one, and it's got that feel of kind of this is a really important game. And I think we've noticed that with with players going out, that instantly we're getting replacements. And whereas previous, it's kind of been all about right. We've got a squad to deal with that. We don't need to get anyone else in. There's there's something here that just feels like we know how big this game is. And and obviously, come half past nine on Friday night, we'll know just how close Scotland are to to making sure they can get that second spot. Obviously, there's still a long way to go. Still, at place being twice, obviously. He got Ukraine too, but it's, it's certainly a big game and it's got that feeling of it. And I'm sure Scotland don't know that. And they'll be they'll be well drilled and well organised by Pedro to go out on Friday night and, and make sure they can get the right result. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of the state of play in the group, it's now Spain are, are top 23 goals scoring none against. We'll speak about Spain in a wee second. But for, for Scotland, um, they, they have played the game extra over Ukraine and Ukraine have played Spain already, which we've talked about as well. But it's an opportunity to go nine points clear of Ukraine, even though Ukraine will have a game in hand. And there is psychology at play in that. If that if that's something that we're able to do and to kind of have that that buffer going into this this run of basically a double header, kind of split double header against Ukraine and Spain, it gives us a real opportunity to come out the other side in the in that playoff spot. And if we're coming out that other side, knowing that the the final game against Faroe Islands is how we're going to have to get the job done, I think it's a it's a it's a really good place for us to be in. It would be, I mean, just in nine points clear, the goal difference at the minute is already 11 ahead of, of Ukraine. So if you can extend that, you can extend the points, as you've said. It will get in players' heads. I mean, it's it's not helping that Scotland, after that, the only game we've still to play against in the bottom teams are away at the Faroes, where we've still to play the runaway group leaders, as they likely be twice. So it'll go to Ukraine. So there'll be three really tough games coming up there, but 
it's, it's too early to say this is must win. I mean, it, it probably is, but I think you don't want to be putting that kind of in the players' heads either. So it's a tough one. But if Scotland can get the win here and just saying, just make sure that they've got those points, it would it would even put them top of the group for a while with Spain, obviously. Um, not playing their game. In fact, no, that's nonsense. They play the Pharaohs on Thursday, sorry, ignore me. Um, but just to kind of make sure that Scotland can stay in touch with in touch with Spain at the top. Obviously, their goal difference, like you say, 14 better off than ours. They're playing the Pharaohs, that could easily be double figures again. So there's you know what look at Spain and be the thing, oh, that's the team we're chasing because it's it's the Ukraine games that are the important ones, as you say. But please stand that lead to 12 points. Um, the goal difference almost becomes another point too. So it's it's a big one, and I think a win it could play a part. Obviously, it will play a part kind of mathematically on the table, but like you say, mentally it could be very important too. And if Scotland can get to a playoff spot, I'm sure that'd be that would kind of be be the minimum of what they'd expect them when, when this group was grown. This group was drawn. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, but yeah, so Ukraine is Friday night, obviously at Hamden. Make sure if you get get yourself down there, ten pound for a ticket, five pound for for kiddies. Uh, Scotland supporters club members free. I know there's lots of packages and stuff like that floating about as well. So Friday night football is always fun. Yeah, it will be cool to wear lots of layers, but it should be it should be a good laugh. Good laugh. That's all you want from from a game of football. And then from there we move on to play Spain on Tuesday um, in Sevilla at La Cartuja. Um Yes, LV. I was looking at the the nominations for the best award for that FIFA put out over the week, and uh, three Spain players are in it. <laughs> Just three. Uh, no other nation is represented as much. And Spain are an interesting side, Campbell, because they are a team that a while ago were probably on a par with Scotland, but they, as a nation, have been able to accelerate their game in such a way now that they are very much a, a team to fear. Um, for most most teams in, in women's football at the moment, they are. I mean, it's not a draw anyone would have wanted. They're not the top seed you would you like to have had. I mean, they're they're a nation that has certainly grown the women's game in, in recent years. I mean, even if you look at club level, we've been used to like Leon and Wolfsburg and teams like that being the real strong ones. But Barcelona now are are the heavyweights of Europe. They're even I mean they're playing be Arsenal comfortably in the Champions League the other week. They're winning their other games heavily as well, and you saw them, what they did to Chelsea in last year's final, and then a lot of those players then formed part of that Barca, that Spain team. And like you've touched on, some of the players there are fantastic. I mean, Alexis Petias in particular has been one that has, has really kind of come at the fore in the last season or a bit, and not the sort of players that you want to be one up against when you're needing points. So from that, it's not great. It'll be good for the Scotland players to go and test themselves against some of these sides, and against some of these players, sorry, for, for the Spain national side, but... They've um they've certainly went up on that, shown that upward tra- trajectory, and they've they've improved there. And they're a team that maybe not one Scotland to look to emulate, but certainly can take some things from and think, well, they went that much better than us previously, and have obviously stepped up. And of course, Spain have got better players than Scotland, but Scotland again, they're a strong enough squad, and particularly in the women, in the women's game, that have got players there that are, are playing at a high level. A lot of the WSL have got some, as you're saying, playing out in place Italy as well. So there's um there's things to work on. They're they're a team that you shouldn't fear. Just because if you fear them, they will simply go in and rip you to bits. So as one where Scotland don't know, they've done a lot of defending, they'll know that likely Spain will go on and win the game, but go out there and, and, and show them that you're, you're good players yourself. And I'm sure Scotland will, will do themselves. But I don't see us getting hammered in, in Spain, but it's certainly one we don't have to be careful because they're playing just saying, some of the best players in, in Europe and in the world. 
Yeah, I mean, the Alexia Putielis, who you, you mentioned, is just on a, another planet at the moment. The, the goal that Barcelona scored, and there's a number of Barcelona players in this in this Spain team in the Champions League the other week, was uh, incredible. And she was at the, the wheel for pretty much the, the entirety of the mood uh, in terms of that goal that he scored. But you're right, we shouldn't fear them. I know, I know I've kind of given them a, a, a blow up there, but um, I think it's just a, a realistic expectation of what, what to expect. But to kind of get a little bit more insight from, from the Spain cap and a little bit more about Ukraine and their new head coach, Luis Cortes, I spoke to um, Alexey Bethetta and this is, this is what she had to say. This is a wee conversation we had. I'm now joined by Alexey Bethetta, a women's football reporter, journalist, fingers behind his own social media channels and one of the, the trio who make up the Box to Box Up ASL podcast. Alex, thanks very much for coming on to the pod. Thanks for having me on. A pleasure. No problem at all. Um, I think I covered everything there, but for anybody who doesn't know who you are, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit, first of all? Oh boy, I don't know where to start. I do, yeah, I do, obviously women's football is, is kind of what I focus on. I do a bit of everything, as you mentioned there. I do socials for zone on the Women's Champions League stuff. So yes, all the Alexia posts, I am behind that. Um, I will take no shame in that. And obviously we'll talk about her in a bit. But yeah, just do a little bit here. I have my own podcast as well, as you mentioned. Um, do journalism stuff and reporting stuff. So a bit of everything, uh, everything in women's football, of course. So that's that's pretty much all you have to know. Perfect. And that's why I thought I couldn't think of anybody better to come on and talk about Spain. And um, by coincidence, because of a couple of things that have happened over the last couple of weeks, we can talk a little bit about Ukraine too. So uh, we're going to fo- focus primarily on the Spanish national team. We'll do that in a wee second. But Scotland's game before we play Spain uh, next Tuesday is against Ukraine on Friday night. And I think it's worth asking you a couple of questions about it, just because, I mean, first of all, Spain played Ukraine last time out uh, and won pretty comfortably, uh, 6-0, 6-0 in Ukraine, but also perhaps more interested to get your take on it is the appointment of Luis Cortes, the former Barcelona Femenini head coach, as Ukraine's national team manager. Um, before we talk about him a little bit more, I was quite surprised when I saw this announced. What, what was your take on it, Alex? I think I was the same, to be fair. Um, I would... He's he is the kind of guy that I think I would would like to take on a project like a project rather than something straight off. But I didn't think it would be Ukraine out of all places. I thought he was going to continue in club. And you know when a team like Everton chooses a manager like Jean-Luc Basur from the French uh, kind of league, I thought Luis Cortez would go along those lines of you know not maybe a Barcelona but maybe a a mid high table team in any other league and kind of progressed from there. I wasn't really expecting Ukraine of all places, if I'm being honest. Um, But it is like, we'll see what he could do with it. But it is, I was surprised probably just as much as you were. When when I first saw it, I actually thought, see if you'd appointed the national manager of the men's team. And then yeah. I had to check it again, and I realized it was it was a women's team. Yeah, I had that. Th- I had that thought also. That yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just I just found it really random. Obviously, Ukraine do play a lot of teams in the like, European competition, but obviously don't really get that that far. So it is a bit of a, a random step back, I would say, from winning the Champions League to to kind of stepping that back to that. So from uh, from from the game that Spain last played against Ukraine, what what do you think Luis Cortez would have would have taken from that game? You will have watched it by now, obviously, but what do you think he would have seen from from Ukraine that may be relevant to Scotland kind of coming up? I think from what I've seen in in the past few games um, when other teams play Ukraine, I don't think they're necessarily a bad side. I think there is. It's just like the men's, you know, these these little Ukraine signs in, in the men's Champions League, they come up by surprise. I think Ukraine's footballing culture is really, really good. 
And I think you can see glimpses of that in the woman's side. Um, obviously, there. I think it's just a matter of like any other women's football team. I think it's a matter of the resources that's kind of holding them back sometimes. Um, obviously, Ukraine, I would expect, isn't the greatest, although I think they are progressing because you do see their name pop up here and there more often. But I think I think they have a lot of things, positive things to look out. Um, I think it is, at the end of the day, just the gap between, you know, when a team like England or, or France or Spain or all these teams that have really good resources that are fully professional and they're fully committed to that, it's very, very different. Um, but I think on a football perspective, I think Luis Cortez can definitely look forward to a lot of things. Obviously, defensive structure when you're a team like Ukraine will be kind of kind of big. And Luis Cortez is, is the guy that's structured and organized and has a certain philosophy. Now, whether the players are going to commit to that, it's another level. But I think... A team like Ukraine, like I mentioned, it's a good project. And if the players commit to what he wants to do, I think he can take them a, a decent fair away from where they are right now. It's uh, interesting you mentioned like projects and things like that, because we've uh, recently brought uh, Pedro Martinez Lotha, and you can see that he's very much trying to get his ideas across to the Scotland national team just now. And it's, it's still a learning process in Scotland. They've had a, a kind start to the, the qualifying teams and the teams they face. What, what, Lewis Cortez has only had a week or so with the national team in Ukraine, but what, what are some of the fundamentals that he will try and bring in as as as, as a coach in his, his style? He's he's a very Barcelona coach in terms of his philosophy. I don't know how much of that he's going to take outside of a Barcelona team, if that makes sense. But obviously the same structures are there. Is, you know, it's doing all everything, all the basics correctly. I mean, when you look at the style of play that Barcelona has, it's it's very, very simple, but I think Johan Cruyff has always said it, you know, it's, it's simple, simple football that you need to play, but it's really hard to play simple football in that, in that aspect. Um, so I think for Ukraine, he'll probably want to take that same aspect, obviously what he has available in players, um, abilities and times and resources can be very different. So he will have to adapt to that. But I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, I think you, you have to expect he probably, I would assume that he's going to start defensively when he's building on this Ukraine side, you know, get that structure defensively and then work on getting the, the goals scored at the end of the day. But I think you'll you'll probably see him trying to implement a more organized structure of fluidity and, and movements and cutting off the passes, closing down the spaces. That's a big thing in, in a Barcelona style play is when you have the ball, you make as much space as you can possible. You know, the wingers are here to lines. You, you create all those spaces when you don't have the ball, you're supposed to minimize those spaces so obviously the ball can't go anywhere so I think that implementation you you'll probably will see um, a bit more structured and a bit more focused on positional obviously we mentioned we keep mentioning the process but it is true I think that, that'll be the first step that probably will be most visibly um, seen in the next few games um, of course that's just me but I think when you look at the whole philosophy of a Barcelona style play I think that's kind of the first thing that you would want as a manager, potentially? No, I, th I think you're right. I think we've seen that ourselves with Pedro Martinez. Also. He's talked about bringing in his own style and even changing things structurally. And it's, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the idea of a project and it, it sounds like there's a bit of um, symbiotics between Scotland and Ukraine at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see how that, that pans out. But we'll, we'll get by Ukraine because I, I don't want to drill you in the Ukraine national team because I know how difficult that could be. So we will move on and uh, we'll talk about Spain. So... Um, I think probably for anybody listening, could you just kind of give a, a kind of brief kind of outline of kind of what's the landscape of women's football in Spain just now? We always look at it through different prisms. So in, in Spain, where where is women's football just now? 
Oh, that's a tricky question. Um, on the pitch, football in Spain right now is probably top. I would say Spain women's football, even you know, outside of Barcelona, the lower leagues. If you look at the football that's being played there, it's a very high technically, you know, the players need to be able to play these games, you know. Yes, Barcelona are dominating, but I think that's just, that's just telling on how good they are. Because when you look at when they play a team like Levante, even the teams that they win, you know, 9-1, all that stuff, you could see the style play implemented throughout the entire Spanish league. So on the pitch, it's doing really, really well. And it is really entertaining football every week. And then off the pitch, when you look at the, the broadcasting and the way it's run, it's really, really, really poor. Um, there's no broadcasting deals, um, nothing. So Barcelona has to broadcast all their games at home through their own broadcasting. And obviously not all the teams have the same resources. So there's some games that will just go unseen. Um, Barcelona go away. You can't see their game. Um, the, the treatment of players is also very poor. Um, it's not until COVID actually happened that... So the, this woman's football in Spain isn't professional by the government standards. Um, so then when COVID came around, the, the standard was that all professional sport can come back to play. And obviously that included the men, that included like futsal, for example, some of the football futsal teams that I remember off the top of my head, but that didn't include women's football because women's football wasn't declared professional officially, like on documents we're talking about. Um, so it's just the treatment of players, the professionalism of everything is, is very, very poor. So on the pitch, looks really good but off the pitch there's there's not a lot of support to to really keep growing what they have on the pitch which is pretty sad yeah i'm uh used to, used to live over there so I, I i kind of try and follow it as best as i can i've been to a couple of games and obviously i think the thing at the moment just now is obviously what's happening at rio vallecano in the, the situation with, with their side as well so yes yeah, it's, it's it definitely seems like on the pitch it is very much the the boom industry in football at the moment I mean, I thought it was interesting when you touched about the fact that Barcelona being so good. That is, is very much the case. I think a lot of people perceive Barcelona as very good in the rest, the rest of the league is not so good. But I think that's that's probably unfair. Do you think that's do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think. I mean, when you look at the grand scheme of things, they beat Chelsea four 0 Champions League final. They beat Arsenal four one in Champions League group stage, and they beat Levante four 0 last week. It's you know when you compare a team like Levante compared to Arsenal and Chelsea. There's no comparison there when you're, when you're looking at the same standards of, you know, the league standards and, and kind of the, the standards of the clubs and the big names and stuff, you know, Levante shouldn't be getting the same result as Arsenal and Chelsea if people are going to look at it that way. So I think that's one thing to kind of go, you know, Chelsea couldn't score against Barcelona teams in the league. Yes, they're losing 9-1, but they're scoring against Barcelona at the end of the day. So it is sometimes a bit unfair and it is a really sad moment when you can't really show this to people because of the broadcasting issues and as you mentioned you know it is it's really hard to, to watch games you have to be really committed to, to watch those games and yeah I think the league there is is doing really really well and you look at you know Levante played in the Champions League this this year they did pretty decently um they finished second in the league you know it's it's a really good league and when you look at the quality of players that are coming up it's a really it's I mean I, I can recommend it to watch you know when you look at the highlights of every team and there's always something coming up and it's really good goals. It's, you know, highly technical, skilled players. It, it's top bins every week. It's it's cheeky techers all the time. So, yeah, I think the league doesn't really get its its recognition quite a lot. And then if Barcelona are doing so well, obviously, 
Um, a lot of people will see it that way that Barcelona are just in a crappy league pretty much, which is sad. But yeah, I vouch for the league. It's I would say it's probably the most entertaining um, in Europe right now on the pitch just because of the skills that you see. Um, but yeah, that's that's why I think. I vouch for it too, so I'm glad we are, we are on the same page for that one. Hey, let's move away from the league then. Let's talk about the, the national side then. How... How is the how is the national team progress? It feels like it's particularly in the last 12, 18 months since the World Cup, really, it feels like it's it's really come on like leaps and bounds after what was I, I don't was that a disappointing World Cup, Alex, or was it one where you, the expectation was kind of hit? I don't know, because it's the Spanish national team is another tricky one because they've had a history of mistreatment as well. Um they've had a really bad history of you know coaches being a bit of not a bit very being abusive and just mistreating players and that was only like five years ago um so now I think a lot of the players have done a lot of work in their club teams rather than the national team and the national team you're seeing everything that that's come together and I think the Spanish youth national teams I think that's been very key to the to the the adult national team um in the clubs also, when you look at Barcelona, you know, you have the midfield trio of Alexia, well, it's more Aitana, um, Patri, and all these players that have come up from the academy team. Um, you know, they've they've won a lot of things with the youth national teams, and now you're seeing them progress. And I think Spain has done it really well in the sense that they've implemented a style play from the youth national team. So when players come into the senior national team, it's it's an easy process of fitting in and knowing what exactly what you're going to do. Um, and of course that's a mix of just the ridiculously good players that Spain has, has um, had coming up through the youth ranks. Um, I mean, when you see a player like Claudia Pina who plays for, for Barcelona now the season, you know, these players are 19, 20 years old and they're already banking in goals for fun and, and they're playing against, you know, with Alexia Poteas with easiness. Um, it's really impressive to see. So, yeah, I think Spain in general has a lot of history, but recently you've seen, again, a project, a process of everything, and now you're kind of seeing everything put together and, and the players finally kind of enjoying themselves with confidence and, and being able to reflect everything on the pitch, which is really nice to see. Yeah, it definitely feels that way when, when you kind of watch them just now as well. Uh, qualifying so far, it's been pretty pretty straightforward. What? What what was the expectations coming into the qualifiers? Was it top or top or nothing else? I would assume so. I think I think the way when you look at the captains, it's Irene Paredes and it's Alexia Poteas who have a very Barcelona style. I keep alluding to that, but it is you know the the whole philosophy of Barcelona. When you look at you know Pep's Pep's Barcelona, that it's the same side on, on the women's team right now. You know, it's the Johan Cruyff, it's the Xavi, it's all these these different players and philosophies that have put into that. And I think the mindset of these teams has to be best or nothing. But knowing that, at, you know, not being cocky about it either, it's, you know, working towards that goal and making sure you get it by the commitment, by the hard work. So I think, I think Spain are at that level right now where they can commit everything to it. They can work hard for it and they're getting the results finally. And they're able to match up to, you know, these big national teams where before it wasn't the same, it wasn't the same resources again and, and everything. So it is, yeah, I think it's now it's, I keep, yeah, I keep saying it. It's just all coming together now, all the hard work that's put in behind the scenes and where the players are. I think 
personally and in, in their careers now um, I mean when you look at a Spain lineup you know it's probably eight out of 11 players are Barcelona players so you look at the confidence that these Barcelona players have after winning that Champions League title you can't you can't get that from anywhere else so the fact that these players have that confidence from their club team bringing into the national team playing with the same players that's a huge advantage no, absolutely. And um, as I said, the, the qualifying is going pretty well for each over 23 goals scored and unconceded at the time of recording. This will probably go out before the Faroe Islands game, but with the greatest respect to the Faroe Islands, I'm, I'm sure that'll be four wins out of four, four years we going into the game against Scotland next Tuesday. You, you touched upon kind of the, the coaching and stuff like that, and the, there's a thread that Alex did that I'll try and dig out and get shared over on the, on the Twitter page, um, kind of going in the back of the history. But in terms of the coach at the moment, Jorge Vilda, what, what kind of impact does he have on, on the side just now? I don't actually know. I think he's he's a good lad. Um, I don't know how much power he actually has over this team because it is, you know, I think it's a very similar situation to what Leon had, for example, before. And when Jean-Luc Vasseur coached them, he didn't have to do actually much coaching. You know, these this team had gotten to that point where they could pretty much coach themselves and they had a style play, the same players, you know, they were at the peak of their careers. I think it's, it's I don't know if it's the same kind of concept because I do know that he's not really popular with fans at all. Um, he's not really greatly talked about most of the time. Um, so, for example, when you look at um, the latest thing was... Um, Damaris Egurola, she plays for Lyon. Um, she's, if I remember off the top of my head, I think 20. Um, if you see her play, she's an amazing, amazing player. And yes, you know, Spain is stacked in the midfield. But when you have a player like that, she can choose between Spain, the Netherlands and the US. Um, and Spain dropped her. Uh, he never called her up. Uh, so now she's going elsewhere. I mean, can you blame her? So it's it's little things that that, that keep him on the bad side of a lot of fans. Um, but on the pitch, I, I honestly can't really say how much it's down to him because I mentioned, you know, there's eight players on the pitch almost at all times that are Barcelona players. So whether you're trying to implement a style play, they know how to play with, together. They know how to play good football. They know how to score goals. So it's, I think it's, it's a very sticky and, and very tricky situation when it comes to, to the manager himself. Interesting you say that. So I think I think let's let's move on to the manager then. Let's move on to the players. Um, I was having a wee look at the announcement for the FIFA Best Awards over over the course of the week, and uh, Spain had three three nominations: um, Aitana, Alexi Potelas, and Jennifer Armoso, who is also one of the players um, that was nominated. But I think let's before we talk about a few, I think we need to speak about one in particular first of all, and that is. Alexia Putalas, anybody who speaks to me about women's football generally, a lot of times it's about Scottish women's football, but generally we'll know I'm out for Alexia. Uh, Alex, I know you are similar. Do you want to just explain to me how good Alexia Putalas is just now? I mean, probably for the audience of your podcast, I would probably say Kim Little. And this this is a lot because I... Oh, don't, 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 Kim, don't, no, 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 no. Kim Little is literally what, like my top three players, my favourite players ever in the world, but Alexia Poteas is just that much better than Kim Little, like at the moment. Um, that I, th- I think that's the only way to say it. When I really want to like say how good Alexia Poteas is, I compare it to that because Kim Little is still at the top of her game. She's so amazing. But then just imagine one more level of that, and that's Alexia Poteas right now. Um, I mean, she's she's incredible, you know, on and off the pitch. She's she does everything just so easily, you know. She wants to give a pass and, and split, you know, three lines of, of press. She'll do that 
off her second touch pretty much you know her touches off the air amazing her shots uh, her free kick the other day in the Champions League she just struck that as if no tomorrow into top bins um I, I, I honestly can't explain it. it's just everything she does and it's it's certain things it's outside of assist and goals that you need to appreciate Alexia Potias that's why I like to compare it to Kim Little because obviously you know Kim Little is not going to be the highest scoring player on any team yeah she'll score a lot of goals but the reason why you like Kim is because she can dictate the tempo she can take on two three players on her own she'll hold the ball up she'll distribute amazing she'll recover her first pass is to keep possession you know it's all these little things on the pitch that matter a bit more than than getting in all the goals and it's the same with Alexia Poteas. It's um, just add a little bit more flavor to that. She'll get a cheeky nutmeg. She'll get um, a little loop, uh, just everything. Um, and she'll she's a key part to, to every team she plays for. And it's also her leadership. Um, I think she's really good at, at keeping everyone calm and, and kind of in the right mindset. Because again, you know, to accomplish what Barcelona are accomplishing right now, you have to have a certain mindset. And if you drop that, then you're screwing up the entire team. It's a domino effect. So it's also the leadership on top of the football skills. It's everything and, and the way she wants to progress. I mean, she loves football. So on top of that, you know, if you're a women's football fan, to have a player like Alexi Putias get the recognition that she deserves. But on top of that, the only thing she wants to do is just see women's football thrive and have women's players, you know, get the, the recognition they deserve. You know, she's always, we mentioned, about the, the problems in Spanish women's football she's an advocate for that she'll say it loudly and she'll be like we need these players and um, you know she's going to be the first one that's signing her name on petitions and, and stuff like that so just overall she's just a really great player on and off the pitch but on the pitch she's magic she uh, she plays with uh, the impression I always get with her and I think your Kim Little comparison is a very good one I'm just very much a Kim Little I'm still a little bit sad that she decided to, to back away from the national team but um, she she plays with a joy. If I always feel like she's playing with a joy whenever you watch Alexia play it play, and I think it's it's something that when she's doing it against your team will be kind of a grudging respect. I think is going to be a, a common feeling for Scotland fans next week. I think uh, when we're watching her play. But outside of Alexia, um, obviously I mentioned uh, Aitana and Jennifer Moso. Who who else is kind of making that that Spain squad tick just now? If Alexia has a very rare off moment, who who else kind of steps up? I think Patri and, and Aitana would be the next ones up. Um, Aitana Bormati, obviously, and, and Patri Haro, they play on in the midfields alongside Alexia. So Patri would be kind of more the pivot. Um, Aitana and Alexia would be more of a of attacking midfield role. Um, but the three of them, the way the three of them work, it's literally like, you know, prime, like um, Xavi, Busquets, Iniesta. Like, I mean, that's that's the, the easiest comparison I can make it to because it's the same style of play. It's the same philosophy. It's the same hard work. It's the same simple passing, give and go football that opens spaces that takes people out of positions. It's it's as simple as that. Um, I think Patri and Aitana are very, very young, but Patri has an amazing presence on the pitch that is sometimes undervalued because she plays such a deep role that she's involved in the buildup of a goal. She does score and everything, but she's, again, that important role that sometimes gets underappreciated because she's not doing all the fancy stuff. Um, but she's a very important role of getting the ball from the defense, distributing into those channels, into those spaces that players are trying to create. Um, but yeah, I think Patri would be kind of the next one on that list to, to keep an eye out on. And in terms of in terms of that that squad, it's uh, 
you mentioned is obviously a heavy Barcelona influence. Is there any other players that maybe people maybe wouldn't have seen as much of um, recently? Are there any kind of up and comers? I noticed a couple of players that I've seen kind of doing doing some stuff in the Primera that are now getting a bit of recognition as well. Yeah, there, there's a lot of players coming up onto the, the national team side that are doing really well in the league. Um, Marta Cardona is one of them. Um, she's a really good player to keep an eye on. Um, Athena as well. Um, it's it's pretty much all the youth, really. You know, these these all the youth that are coming up have been playing together for X amount of years. So it's the same concept of these players have developed a certain style of play together. And it's just at this point of their career, when they get to the national, you know, the senior team, now it's coming in you know, all of it has to come together onto the pitch um i watched um a u23 spain side and you see the concepts you see the next concepts but the speed of play the natural ability of passing everything isn't there yet that would be in the next stage so on the senior side it's all these young players are coming up so i think yeah like marta cardona tina you know these are brand new players on on the senior side but it looks like they've been there forever because Again, they play on the youth sides, but then also in the league. So the, the style of play that the, the young players have. But for me, Marta Cardona has been um, really, really impressive. And, and Claudia Fina as well. Um, I think they're going to be really important on this, this Spain team in the future. I'm curious because you've mentioned, made the comparison with the men's team, which I think I think spot on. In terms of the... The one thing the men's team eventually had to find out was how to put the ball in the back of the net. And that seems to be something that the Spain women's team now has, has certainly got a grasp of. Um, has there been any kind of key behind that at all, do you think, in terms of kind of breaking down the fences now? Um, like how how much more scoring they could do or? Oh, just uh, just in general, because I think one of my one of my memories of Spain at the World Cup was they had a lot of the ball, but it maybe didn't have the end product, where now it feels like the end product is coming almost whenever they fancy it, um, which is a bit daunting. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, has it been anything? Is it just is it just the Alexia effect in terms of that having that yeah. somebody that maestro in the middle of midfield? Yeah, it has it has happened a couple of times before, and um, we did see it in the World Cup, the last World Cup when they played against the States, and um, they played in the She Believes Cup, Spain versus the States, and I think Spain edged about like seventy percent possession in that game. But again, it was that trouble finding the back of the net. They just couldn't. It, they would. They kept passing the ball around. They kept doing things, and they just they weren't ruthless in front of that. They couldn't finish their chances, and obviously that cost them because they ended up. I think that ended up being a last minute equalizer from the state, uh, last minute winner from the states, and then the same in the World Cup. You know, the states beat Spain two 0 from two penalties, um, and that had nothing to do with the game because Spain against were were dominating. They were doing everything right. They just couldn't finish. Um, but now, as you mentioned, you know, I think now they're having a bit less of a problem with that. Um, and I think, again, it's that mentality of this is our problem. We need to commit to actually finishing because that's going to cost us in a game like a World Cup. You know, when you're playing a Champions League final against Chelsea, who have amazing goal scorers, that's the mentality you have to have. It's the same for Spain. I think Spain have always been not good enough to get to these places, you know, losing to, to the States such an early stage of the, the World Cup. That's not what you want to see. And when you have players like this, it's the process. Now it's, they've done everything they needed to do. They're getting their head down and they're working on it. And now they're scoring goals um, for fun most of the time. But now I think, I think for them also, they haven't really gone up against big opposition. Uh, I think Scotland would, would prove to be a really good test uh, because of the quality of players that Scotland has. 
So I think that's going to be really interesting to see how they do against a bigger team because they haven't really been tested that much. Because um, obviously, you know, no offense to Ukraine or, you know, Faroe Islands, but it's, it's again, that the gap is big. So scoring goals shouldn't be that hard for people who are on fire right now. So I think Scotland should be a really good test. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting because, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Scotland can get a winner off a set piece, um, which Spain aren't really necessarily good at. Um, and they can just shoot themselves in the foot for, for being too much focused on, on keeping the ball and playing the ball rather than finishing their chances. Uh, that was going to be my next question. Uh, I need a chink of light. We all need a chink of light now in terms of uh, Scotland playing playing next Tuesday. Is, is, is set pieces maybe where Scotland might get some joy? What's, if, if you were trying to tell a Scotland fan, believe, like what, what would you say would be the, the way to do it? I would say set pieces definitely is, is we've seen it a lot of times of, of Spain getting that really beat. I mean, I think most of the team are relatively short. Um, so if you have, you know, if you have a player like Jem B who can sky pretty much everyone by a head, um, that's really an advantage. I think, I think, you know, you have a set piece delivery, you know, you have Caroline Weir, you have all these players that can put in a really good ball. But yeah, on, on set pieces, I think it could be really, really good. Um, that's been their biggest weakness in club as well and, and everything. Um, yeah, the height difference could be definitely an advantage. Um, the scrappy goals have been scored a lot. So I think... Scotland could potentially get a lot of joy there, but then obviously, you know, you have players that can shoot out of the box. So I would say go 1v1 down the wings, cut it back, take a shot on target. I think that would be kind of the biggest thing. So uh, what's what's the expectation then? Uh, obviously, Faroe Islands, again, not to not to dismiss them, but I'm going to dismiss them. So Faroe Islands, that'll be three points, perfect start. What's the expectation then for Spain going into this Scotland game? I can't call it, if I'm being quite honest. I would expect... Spain to dominate and potentially win but at the same time you can't really you know you can't come in confident as you would against the Faroe Islands because of the you know the quality that that Scotland has individually and players and the the manager that they have I think obviously the manager knows the Spanish side quite well so if he plays his cards right I think he can nullify Spain I wouldn't say easily but I think he does have the right ideas to be able to nullify a team like Spain just because of his closeness to it um, and he has the right personnel to do it. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, it could be a draw. I think a draw would be a pretty good match. I think it should be a good match um, anyway. I think Scotland have nothing to lose when you're going up against Spain. You know, you're playing against these players, you know, in the league and the Champions League. So I don't think Scotland have anything to fear necessarily. Um, it's just another national team game that you're going to play. So I think it should be a good match. I think it depends how much... Spain want to win this, if that makes sense. Um, depending on the players that they play, if they do play like younger players, for example, maybe they're not as ruthless or as their head in the game against a team like Scotland. That might be too much for younger players, for example. Um, so I think it's just a, a matter of a lot of things, but I think it could be a really, really good match. And you know, at the end of the day, as mentioned, if it's a nil-nil game, one-one game, Scotland get a, a last-minute winner off a set piece, for example, it could definitely be possible. So I don't, I don't think it's there's any writing off Scotland against Spain. Um, I just think it's going to be a really good match to watch. I feel like you're more positive about Scotland's chances than, than I am and Campbell, who also does the podcast, is. So it's good to have that as a as a fill-up before we finish up. Not but, um, perspective. <laughs> but um, Alex, thank you very much for taking the time to um, talk about Spanish women's football. It's been really good having you on. 
Yeah, no worries. A pleasure. Always, always like talking about Lexapotea, so it's fine. <laughs> Thanks for having and, me on. And if anybody wants to get in contact with you, how would be the best way to kind of keep up with the, the Spanish women's national team and Spanish women's football through you? Uh, Twitter would probably be the easiest uh, at alexipaseta23. Um, that's where I tweet a lot. So if you're if you're looking to follow me, just be ready. <laughs> and I am obviously I'll, I'll put this in the in the tweet that accompanies the, the podcast going out just now. But mm-hmm. Alex, thanks again uh, for coming on. And um, yeah, with a throwback to me talking to Campbell uh, in a wee bit. So thank you very much. So Campbell, let's let's get into it. Um, let's start with the game against Ukraine on Friday night. What is uh, what's your predictions? Are we are we are we going to get this this victory that we we both want both need? Both need to have our hunger sustained by by this by this victory. Scotland are going to win on Friday night, but they're going to they're going to make it tough. I just get a feeling it's going to be hungry all over again. And you're hoping that the way it goes to heat us up because it'll be cold. But I think Scotland will win. I don't think it'll be easy, but I can see kind of a two-one perhaps. It'll be. I think it'll be tight, but I fancy Scotland to to get through and then go to Spain. Full of confidence. Yeah, I, th- I think we should be confident that we will win on Friday night. We have the better team. I think we've got the better squad. I think. We've obviously got the fact that the advantage that Pedro Martinez lost has been in a little bit longer than Luis Cortez in terms of getting ideas across. Um, I think Ukraine are on a slightly different journey at the moment in terms of the step that they are on. And yeah, I think, I think we've got to be confident. We've got to ride, ride the positivity that we've been riding with the, this national team, both for the men's and women's teams over this last 12, 12 months. So I think, yeah, I think we'll definitely win. And then going to Spain, I think you're right. I think it's just about putting up a good show in Campbell uh, in Spain. And do you know what? Here, if you don't believe, you don't believe, but uh, it'd be an incredible scenes if we've got a result in Seville, but I think realistically it's just about putting in a, a good performance and I suppose it's probably about making sure that whatever happens with the result, it doesn't stop any momentum that's been getting built. I think that's the most important thing, you know, when to go there and, and take a real heavy defeat. I mean, you've seen what they did to Ukraine, so you know it won't be... You know, it'll be a really tough game to go and to go and play in. Um, but say if you can get if you can get a win on Friday and you're then going across to Spain with, with that bit of confidence, that will certainly help there. You're obviously you're playing some of some of the best players in the world, and it'll be, it'll be good to see how the players got on. That Scotland are going to roll over easily and, and make sure that it's a very tough game for them um, on Tuesday night. Yeah, and you know we've got some of the best players in the world as well in our squad, so you never know, never know. But yeah, uh, we, I'm looking forward to. I always look forward to SWNT games. It's um, a nice unifying moment for everybody involved in women's football in Scotland. So hopefully it brings out a couple of positives from it uh, from this coming weekend. So yeah, Friday night Scotland against Ukraine at Hamden, um, ten pound for adults, five pound for kids. Scotland supporters club members getting for free and yeah, get along down and support the side and then the game against Spain on Tuesday night uh, is live on BBC Alba. I know that BBC have been running like alternative commentary as well, so it'll be interesting to see if that continues. But yeah, get behind the women's national team because, you know, it's class supporting Scotland just now, so let's make it class supporting Scotland all over the place. But um, Campbell, thank you very much for coming on and uh, talking as always. You're welcome, Chris. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and one to Scotland. <laughs>